He said, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The Bible predicts that future prophetic events will catch the world by complete surprise. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, Israel, God's Timepiece, with the message, A World Caught by Surprise. You know, many people scoff at Bible prophecy and don't pay it much attention. But the Bible predicts that many of the events that unfold in the last days will take the world totally by surprise including the return of Christ. And you can mark it down. The Bible will end up proving right with 100% accuracy. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, A World Caught by Surprise. Now, last time we looked at the war of Gog and Magog. That's funny sounding, isn't it? Every time I read that, it's like I'm reading something out of... um, some science fiction novel. But Gog and Magog are Russia. And Ezekiel identifies them in Ezekiel chapter 38 as the land that is going to gather around itself a confederacy of other nations that hate Israel, and they're going to come down against Israel. And the war is called either the Ezekiel War, World War III. Uh, Some call it the fuse to Armageddon. Whatever you want to call it, It hasn't happened yet. You read Ezekiel 38, none of those events have happened yet. Nowhere in history has it taken place where the land of the uttermost north, which is only Russia, along with a confederacy of nations that are named Iran, Iraq, um, Libya, Turkey. Can you believe Ezekiel named them 24 centuries ago? Because our God knows the end from the beginning. And only a real God, the God of the Bible, knows what's going to happen 24 centuries down the tunnel of time. But our God knows. And he used prophets to prophesy about future events. So Ezekiel prophesied that there would be a concerted attack against Israel in, he says it, in the latter years is when this will happen. In the last days. Now, we're in, I believe, the last of the last days. Not to get too complicated, but I shared with you a few couple of Wednesday nights ago that the last days really began when Jesus rose from the dead. That's when the last days began. Hebrews chapter 1, he says, God who in the past time spoke to us through the prophets has now in these last days spoken to us by his Son. So notice the writer of Hebrews right then said, hey, we're in the last days. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. But now, since Israel became a nation again, which was a huge prophetic fulfillment, 
We are in, most Bible scholars and prophecy watchers believe, the last of the last days. You might say when Israel became a nation again, the hourglass was turned upside down and the final grains of sand began to fall through. And so there is going to be an attack against Israel. It hasn't happened yet. We also saw, and that's not, by the way, that's not Armageddon. It might be the fuse to Armageddon, but this war, the Ezekiel War, all of the players involved are different from the players that are involved in the Armageddon War. It might be the fuse that leads to Armageddon, but this war, this attack against God's people and God's land, it stands alone in Ezekiel 38. Go home and read it. Ezekiel 38 and 39, God took two whole chapters in the Word of God to tell us about this war. Now, we saw that God himself will intervene on her behalf, and he will wipe out the enemy completely. Now, with everything leading toward a planet on fire, because that's where everything is going, with war, it's on fire, with war, it's on fire, with deception, it's on fire, with violence, we're in a world on fire. And you wonder as we look at Bible prophecy, what will be the mental and the spiritual disposition of humanity as these times approach? Will our world be living on pins and needles before the coming of Christ? Will people be crying out for help and salvation? Will there be a great move of repentance and a crying out for mercy as these things coagulate and come together and we see all these things beginning to happen? You know, are we in a nation that says, oh my gosh, the end is coming, let's repent? Is that what we're going to see? No. The Bible says that at the time of all this approaching trouble, the hue and the cry of government officials all the way down to the common man is going to be what? Say it with me. Peace, peace. Now, listen to the Apostle Paul's sobering words. Now, Paul is prophesying here. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes like a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then... Sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. You know what you got right there? A world caught by surprise. That's a world caught by surprise. He says in verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Can we just say together, thank God, I'm not in darkness. The, the church shouldn't be. We should understand these things. He said, you're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor are we of darkness. Therefore, let's read this together, can we? Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, that's the call of God on every believer in the day in which we live, to watch and be sober-minded. Understand the signs of the times. Understand what the Bible says about our day. The Message Bible, I had to put this in here because the Message Bible puts it in a way that you can't forget. So same verses, but just from the Message paraphrase. I don't think, friends, that I need to deal with the question of when all this is going to happen. You know as well as I that the day of the Master's coming can't be posted on our calendars. 
He won't call ahead and make an appointment any more than a burglar would. About the time that everybody's walking around complacently, catch this, about the time everybody's walking around complacently congratulating each other, saying, we've sure got it made, peace, peace, peace and safety. Now we can take it easy. Suddenly, everything will fall apart. It's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. Now that's the end of the quote. Now this is me talking. It's not that the end time world will be crying out for peace they don't have. That's not what it means when they're saying peace, peace, like bring us peace, give us peace. No, what they're doing is they're heralding a false peace that they believe they already have. In other words, they're going to be deceived into believing that all is well, that there is no approaching judgment, there is no danger, there are no consequences for their rejection of God's love through Christ. See, there is a deception that comes upon whole cultures, whole nations, and the entire world. And Paul is predicting here. He's saying, they're going to be saying peace, peace, because they think they've got it. And they don't understand the times in which they live. And in just a minute, I'm going to show you two prime examples, Noah's generation and Lot's generation. So this is all going to tie together, so stay with me. Let's always remember that there is indeed a fierce judgment coming upon the world at the return of Christ. How many of you know that's true? See, we look forward to his return, but the world won't. The world will be terrified at his return. Revelation says they will wail and mourn and weep when they see the returning Christ. It will not be a joyous sight for the world that has rejected him. Paul the Apostle writes again to the Thessalonians in the second letter to the Thessalonians of this coming judgment. Let's look at it because judgment is as real as is God's love. As a matter of fact, because God is love, he also judges. Because he is holy, he must have justice. So let's look. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. Watch this. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us. He's talking to persecuted people here. To give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Everybody say he's coming back. Here it is right there. He's coming again with his mighty angels. And he goes on to say, in flaming fire. And what is he doing? Taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can I pause a minute and show you? He did not say those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ or were they good Buddhists or were they good Muslims, or were they good? He doesn't name any other faith. He says, the flaming fire of vengeance comes on those who have not obeyed, what everyone, read it, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is exclusive, isn't it? It is a one-way proposition that Jesus made to the world, isn't it? Yeah. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father but through me. Now, he says in verse 9, those that have rejected the gospel, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Verse 10, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. So notice he'll be glorified in the saints 
but he'll bring judgment upon the world. That's the lion of Judah. He's already come as the sacrificed lamb. He's returning as the lion of Judah, executing judgment. Now, in a politically correct world, that's real hard to hear. Boy, I caught a lashing. Let me tell you, I caught a lashing from what I said last Wednesday night. Boy, did I get some people mad at me over what I said last Wednesday night. And do you know that my whole career of pastoring, only in the last few years, have I had people getting mad at me for what I say? But, but what I say hadn't changed. You know what's changed? Our culture. That's what's changed. Because I just say simple gospel stuff and people get mad at me. Send me emails, angry at me. And all I did was read the book. The message of the Bible over and over again is that when Christ returns to gather his people and execute judgment on the world, the world will be asleep. That's the message of end time prophecy. The world will be caught completely off guard. They'll have been lulled into a false sense of security that will be thoroughly shattered at Christ's return. Paul wrote that Jesus will come unannounced. He's going to come unexpected like a thief in the night. And Jesus himself continuously taught in his parables of the need to be ready for his return. In fact, when he was finished answering the disciples' uh, three questions that we've been going over for the last few weeks uh, of when the temple would be destroyed and what would be the signs of his coming, Jesus went on and continued his discourse in the remainder of Matthew 24 and all the way through Matthew 25, he kept on talking and he gave parables, and he gave three powerful parables. Parable of the householder, the parable of the ten virgins, and the parable of the talents, each of which warns of the need to be ready for his return. Look what he did. He said in the parable of the householder, and again, he's, he's still answering his disciples here. He says, the master of that servant, the master being Jesus, will come on a day when that servant is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of. In other words, caught by surprise. Then in the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus finished the parable by saying these words, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the son of man is coming. Do you hear the repeated phrase, watch, pray, watch, pray, watch, pray. In the parable of the talents, he closed by saying, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the servant who had not invested his talent in kingdom work was caught off guard and he was caught unprepared. That's the whole gist of the parables. Get ready, get ready, be ready, be on guard, be watchful. For your Lord is coming in a time you do not know. And if he's got to tell the church to be watchful, where is the world? The world is going to be asleep and totally caught off guard. And not to mention, he went into the well-known description of two men in a field working. One was taken, the other left. And two women grinding at the mill, one taken and the other left. The idea with both of them being the one left behind was caught off guard. The one that was left behind was surprised because suddenly somebody they knew, somebody they were in a relationship with, somebody they worked with is gone. And they are caught by surprise. Now, I believe the two greatest descriptions of what our world will look like just prior to Jesus' return to judge the world are found in his allusion to Noah and to Lot. Now, I want to look at what he said about Noah's day first. He said, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 38, for as in the days, this is Matthew 24, for as in the days before the flood, look what they were doing. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Please catch this. This is powerful stuff from our Lord Jesus Christ prophesying way down the tunnel of time to our day. We know from Genesis 6, when he alludes to the days of Noah, we have most of our information about Noah's generation, what it was like from Genesis 6. We know from Genesis 6, the days of Noah were marked by, catch this, widespread violence, a total breakdown in morality, and descent into wickedness so great that Genesis describes the wickedness this way. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only. Everybody say only. So there wasn't one righteous thought. Only evil continually. Wow. Think about that. Every one of man's thoughts were only wicked, only godless, only fleshly, only displeasing the Lord 24 hours a day. It says in verse 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Notice not some, not most, all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Mankind was at the end here. That's what Genesis 6 tells us about the days of Noah. Now remember Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days that I come back. Now, you have to exclude the church there because the church does think righteous thoughts because we've been born again and we have the word of God. But you take away our born again experience, our knowledge of God, our walk with Christ, and put us out there living in the flesh, we would end up the same way. We stand by grace. We stand by faith in the Lord Jesus. But here in Noah's time, Jesus looking back, using it as an example, mankind was at the end. The cup of God's wrath was full. His patience was exhausted. God said these words, the end of all flesh has come before me. And he gave them 120 years to get it right. Because from the moment he said, the end of all flesh has come before me, this is when he first visited Noah. Noah was working on the ark 120 years. So God gave man 120 years to get it right. What's so interesting here is that Jesus describes Noah's time very differently. Now, we read about the violence and the immorality and all that, but look what Jesus said about Noah's day. And it's kind of confusing because look what he says. As in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Everybody say, oh, my. They were eating and drinking. That doesn't sound worthy of hell to me, right? And then he says, marrying and giving in marriage. <laughs> you read the, I used to read this and go, well, big deal. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. But see, that has nothing to do with what Genesis 6 just told us about the days of Noah. So what's up with this? Because to me, he's describing normalcy. I used to read that and say, what's the big deal? Then I began to realize that Jesus was driving at this. Here's his point. In the midst 
of total moral breakdown, widespread and devastating violence, and universal corruption, Noah's generation was totally and utterly unmoved, unconvicted, and unconcerned with their condition. Apathy ruled the day. Everybody say with me, asleep. That's what we're seeing here. They were marrying, giving in marriage, eating, drinking, working, making a profit, living their life out. And what is the point? Well, here's the point. We know from 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah preached to them for 120 years, and he didn't have a single convert. Now, I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. Every Sunday, we're seeing people get saved. If I go a couple of Sundays with nobody being saved, I'm seeking God as to what's wrong. If I preach 120 years without one convert, I'm out of the ministry. I'm out. I'm doubting my calling. But here's the point, everybody. He had not one convert. Not one said, oh, judgment's coming. I need to get right with God. Get this, all the while he swung that hammer and cut those boards, the spectacle of that giant ark growing and looming before their eyes each and every day, in spite of all his warnings about coming judgment, Noah's generation yawned, turned away from his words, and gave themselves over to a life of serving the flesh, eating, drinking. Do you get it? That's Jesus' point. Here's Noah every day. He's swinging a hammer with one hand, preaching with the other. Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness. But nobody turned. The only people that went into the ark with him was his own family. That was it. They married, they ate, they drank. They were utterly apathetic and blind to their plight. They had no clue. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be right before I return. There's going to be a worldwide apathy I've learned in my own life that God's Word will always prove true, and that Bible prophecy, which is nothing less than God knowing exactly what the future holds, will be fulfilled to the minutest detail. Now don't touch that dial just yet, because we have some exciting things to share with our Life Talk listeners, including how you can obtain a copy of today's message or of the entire series, Israel, God's Timepiece. Until next time, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. 
You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. A World Caught by Surprise is the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Israel, God's Timepiece. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Israel, God's Timepiece, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.